Hello, and welcome to Booze and the Bible, a podcast of the sanctuary where we discuss the good book and good booze. And now, here are the hosts of Booze and the Bible, Dan Robb and Mark Wadsworth. Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. It's a podcast about booze and the Bible. I'm Dan Robb, the theologian, and he's Mark Wadsworth, the brewmaster. Mark, we are going to ask the question, what does God think about people who are morally superior? But before we get into that discussion, I want to, I want, I really want some bourbon. Uh, and this brings up another question, Mark. Where does bourbon whiskey originate? Does anyone really actually know where the first bourbon was made? Well, Dan, you know, it's an interesting story. A lot of people kind of lean toward the belief that a fellow named Elijah Craig made the first bourbon. Mm. What's interesting is that um, Elijah Craig was actually a Baptist minister. So you think, bourbon and Baptist? Ah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Mr. Craig was born around 1738 in Orange County, Virginia. He was ordained as a Baptist minister in 1771, and he preached the gospel almost until his death in 1808. Mm. But in 1782, Craig and his entire church congregation moved from Virginia to what is now modern day Kentucky. Wow. Um, so he it was an interesting guy. He's kind of credited with, with creating the town of Georgetown, Kentucky, which oh, okay. is one of my favorite places actually. Yeah. And he was a true entrepreneur on the American frontier. He's, he was responsible for promoting the success of industry in the budding Commonwealth. Um, Kentucky was actually a commonwealth by huh. then. So in um, about 1789, Craig opened a distillery. And that last enterprise led to his subsequent, sometimes dubious repu- reputation as the inventor of bourbon whiskey. Um, it's sometimes claimed that uh, Craig was the first to have uh, aged the, the liquor um, in charred oak casts, which mm. is the process that gives bourbon its, uh, you know, its significant brownish color and unique taste. Wow! So, uh, in that yeah. uh, in that line, Dan, today I think uh, it would be appropriate if we were to sample some Elijah Craig uh, small batch 1789 bourbon. Now, this is a bourbon that's made by the Heaven Hill Distillery. Um, it's one of many of their brands, but uh, in my opinion, it's uh, it's one of the better. So let's try a taste, and you tell me what you think. Well, I got to say, it's, um, I mean, for me personally, Miller Light guy, uh, it's one of the better uh, bourbons I've had, and I've, I've had some, some nicer bourbons. Um, but what I love, it, it, it's just smooth. You know, it's... You know, you get you you get the taste, but it's just it it just doesn't burn or it doesn't any of that. I don't need ice for this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you're getting at there, Dan, is you know a lot of the uh, the signature bourbons, if you will, that are out there, they're hundred proof because that's kind of the, the 
watermark, if you will, for right. the bourbon. But this is a 94 proof bourbon. Mm. And sometimes you think, well, if it's 94 proof, it's going to be watery or yeah, blah, blah. Right. But that's not the case here. I think this has a really nice presentation for a lower proof whiskey. And, and being the geek that I am, I've got to, <laughs> I've got to say that, you know, part of the reason I, that I like the Elijah Craig small batch is because when you taste it, it starts off with some dry, grassy and kind of sweet nuttiness tastes. But then you taste the caramel kind of flavor that you get out of every bourbon. And, but there's a little bit of like, uh, oh, I don't know, cold brew coffee or chocolate mm. kind of thing going on. And, yeah. and maybe a little citrus. Uh, maybe I'm imagining that. I don't know. <laughs> but the great thing is, you know, this bourbon has a price point of like mid-20 bucks for a 750 ml bottle. You know, so it's one of those always-on-the-shelf bourbons in my house when I can find it. Mm-hmm. And... Because they make a lot of this, I almost never have a problem finding it when I go to the store to, to buy it. So, in my opinion, this is a this is a ten out of ten, right. and uh, hopefully, uh, the the folks out there will try it and yeah. see what they think. It is one of those bourbons where I, I think, and this is what you've alluded to in the the Evan Williams uh, bourbon podcast that we talked about it. it. It's you know if you do a blind taste test. This is going. This is going to knock down some of those other high-priced bourbons that are, you know, hundred proof or whatever. And I, I think quite often we get so, like, I don't want to say snobbish. Is maybe that's not the word. No, it's the word. Okay. All, right, all right, all right, all right. It's the word. And and and, and it's this refusal to go. Oh well, that's you know, I did that when I was you know younger, but you know now I'm into you know. This this bourbon I'm not going to even name all the high price guys, but you know it's uh, it it is quite it is the bourbon that I, I think it is worth you know more than the money that you're really paying for it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of these days on the podcast, we'll try Wild Turkey 101, which Ooh. you know all of us who went to college that was like you <laughs> thought, oh Wild Turkey, yeah. but it's actually a really good bourbon. We'll yeah. talk about that some right. some future date. All right, I love it. Awesome. Okay, now we have this very tasty bourbon to sip on. Let's talk about people who are goody two shoes. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, people who are moral, the moral police, or people just being good, right? We all know those people who are just good people. However, they don't believe in Jesus, or I'll just be honest, maybe they're Mormons. You know, yeah, it, it is. It is like we we want them to know Jesus. And by the way, when I say know Jesus, I don't mean just, oh, yeah, I know Jesus, but believe in him and only him for eternal life. They're not trusting in anything else. They're, they're trusting in, in him. However, though, uh, there's also those people, those people that are Christians who, you know, they don't act like Christians. And they, they give Christianity a bad, a bad rap. And... You know, like the pastor running off with the church secretary, or you know, the the pastor embezzling money from the church. You know, or he's got the salary that's you know more than anybody in his congregation, and it's you know. And, and, and to be fair, on the flip side, there there has been those those cases where the church doesn't pay their pastor enough. You know, and that mm-hmm. that is sometimes unfortunately the balance. 
Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? Well, <laughs> it's a good thing that I'm not a philosophy major. This podcast would be several hours long. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I have a good friend that is one, and he could he could talk us until you know talk to us until blood came out of our ears. But mm-hmm. you know, basically, I I think to answer that question, you have to ask who the person in question is really trying to impress, right? Right. If you have a person that tells you, oh, I'm a good person, okay, you have to ask that person or, you know, any of us to define their concept of what is morally right and morally wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, C.S. Lewis spends the entirety of book three of Mere Christianity, which, by the way, if you haven't read Mere Christianity, you need to do it. That, that is a fantastic book, oh, especially yeah. for when it was written. But in book three, Lewis explains what morality really is. It's a great read, but basically it all boils down to the fact that without God and godly laws, there can be nothing moral, nothing good. Mm-hmm. You know, yet every one of us, you know, with the possible exception of folks with mental illnesses like sociopaths and such who you know, have, a, have a wire missing somewhere, uh, every one of us has an innate moral code. I don't care what country you're from, what color your skin is, any of that. You know, we all deep down inside of us have this concept of what's right and what's wrong. So I think a person who acts morally but doesn't accept God for his salvation is simply trying to buy their way into heaven, even if they claim they don't believe that there is such a thing as God or such a thing as heaven. Yeah, I, I have family members that have uh, struggled with drug addiction. And but I've never personally questioned their salvation. You know, I've always believed that they they were saved. And it's you know, I think it's it's so easy to to look at people and maybe they're an alcoholic, they're they're drug addicted, they're um whatever sin, just plug whatever sin you want to plug in there. And it's it's so easy to look at them and make all kinds of assumptions. And, you know, for me personally, you know, I mean, um, I'm divorced and I've had a lot of people make assumptions about me. And unfortunately, you know, their assumptions were incorrect. (laughs) And uh, I've had people tell me how I need to think and feel. And really, it at the end of the day, you know, God gives gives us grace and. He accepts us for where we're at. Um, the person who trusts in their moral, moral morality rather is not superior to the struggling Christian. Why? Well, for starters, the Christian knows Jesus, and other the other person does not. Yeah. Uh, so, Dan, it reminds me a lot of Isaiah sixty four six. Right, Isaiah sixty four six says. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our un, all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Uh, we are sh- all shrivel up like a re- leaf, and like the wind, our sins swept us away. So God tells us that what we think are righteous or moral acts are in reality abhorrent to Him, unless we are doing them for Him. So if you do good stuff and you are doing it because it makes you feel superior, 
it's not just it's not such a a good thing after all. And yeah, go ahead, Mark. No, I'm just thinking that you can have the best intentions, but they're meaningless without a foundation in eternity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like I said, like we said at the start of this, is there's always good people, and and you think to yourself, wow, they I really want they. They act like a Christian, and I think this is where the problem of bad theology or theology that places everything on a, a heavy and like salvation discipleship at the beginning. This is where that mindset comes in. Wow! If they we could just they have all the good. They're already a Christian. If we could just get them to to the belief part, right? <laughs> you know, if we just get them across the finish line here. You know, they're already got the morality part. You know, so now we just need to get them. They're a Christian, so we can get them to become a Christian, which is kind of messed up there. But I was on a plane uh, when I was in college going, I think I was flying home. And I was sitting next to a man, and I think I'd heard a chapel message about that, you know, hey, share your faith on the plane, do this. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this out. So I started talking to the guy, and I'm one of those people that I don't want to talk to anybody ever on a plane I want to just check out of the world. Right there with you, buddy. And I, I'm feeling the conviction, you know, like I really need to do something. And so I, I start a conversation, you know, it's like, it's like my, it's like someone's putting bamboo shoots in my fingernails, you know, or something. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And it was a good conversation. I'm glad I did it. Um, it really, the gentleman, the, the the thing that kept coming back that I kept question I kept asking him was how good is good enough because that was what his argument was I hope my good outweighs my bad and you look at the world and you look at the world world's religions and that that is really ultimately what it is is you better hope your good outweighs your bad uh, that you were good enough and he didn't have an answer and I shared with him John three sixteen and didn't matter he. Whatever belief system that he was in uh, had him into that. That somehow good out needs the, the good out, the good needs to outweigh the bad. And I find that quite often, even as Christians, we can get into that system of our good outweighing the bad. Did I persevere in my faith? And you know, the reality is, is you look at the Bible, and there's a lot of people who didn't really persevere i mean samson right you know i mean we'll see him in heaven i suspect i can't say it for sure but i suspect king saul will be in heaven uh, there's a verse in there that says god gave him a new heart yeah um not much to cling to on that one but you look at the whole corinthian church you know everybody there boy howdy yeah <laughs> what <exactly>. a mess <laughs> yeah you look at jacob's sons even they killed an entire village a couple of them you know, and another one visited a prostitute, Judah, and he's the one that Jesus is going to come from. Right. You know, so. God takes things that to us look like they're hopeless and he turns them into miracles. Yeah. And he does that all the time. You know, Dan, one of the things I think that this whole business about, well, if I'm just good enough, I'll get into heaven. The media pumps that into our heads. You know, yeah. I'm thinking about this TV show, and I think it was called yeah. The Good Place with oh, Ted yeah. Danson right. and uh, Kristen Bell. Yeah. Kristen Bell, and it's like, yeah, that's 
pretty much uh, what the world believes now. You know, there might be a God, and if there is, well, he really doesn't care about us. He just cares about whether we're, you know, donating to the poor or if we're, you know, whatever it is. And if your good stuff added up against your bad stuff outweighs, you know, and the good stuff wins, then, boy, you get to go to heaven. Uh, Back when... Uh, back when in the dark old days for me, when when uh, I thought that God had turned His back on me, which you know He never did, but I thought He did because I believed the message that was given to me by some folks that were just really seriously mistaken. Um, I worked with a fellow, and he was a he was an interesting guy. He was very uh, precise about everything and. He was motivated, and everything had to be done just exactly correctly right, and he wouldn't start a task until he had understood every possible thing that could go wrong or you know, all the branches that could happen. Well, this fellow was an atheist, and he prided himself on the fact that he behaved better than the people who called themselves believers in God, especially ah, Christians. Interesting. And he would brag about the fact that he would add up all of the things that he bought on Amazon during a year and make sure that he paid the government tax on it hmm. and then get in my face and say, you know, well, you oh, know, wow. God's people, they don't do that. You know, they're <laughs> trying to get around every rule they can get around. And <laughs> I, I look back on that now. And at the time, I honestly thought that God had just, you know, tossed me. And so I, I didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of positive things right, to say to right. this guy, but I look back on it now and I, I realize just how ridiculous the whole thing is. You know, if the guy really didn't believe in God, then why did he care about being so meticulous and being so much better than the people that did believe in God? I just don't believe a person who spends that much time and energy trying to convince other people that God doesn't exist and yet wants to do everything so perfect is telling the truth to themselves. Mm. I think they're trying to buy their way into heaven, uh, even though they won't admit the fact that they think heaven exists. They just don't want to do that because that would ruin their scientific credibility. (laughs) We don't want to do that. We're all scientists here, you know. (laughs) Uh, What is it, the famous quote, there are no atheists in foxholes? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's... uh... You know, God. Um, I'll share this verse here I, that I've been I've been thinking about here. It's uh, John chapter one, verse uh, twelve through thirteen. It says, "Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God." Yeah, uh, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Yeah, and I think the key part is children. Your children are going to do bad things. They're, they're, they're not always going to do the right thing or make the right choice. Um, they're going to sometimes act up, you know, and that's where God, like us as his children, he is going to instruct us and sometimes discipline his children, Hebrews chapter 12. And we need that. And, because it helps us grow. And some of the things that we get into are not going to be good for us, and it, and it could cause a lot of problems, and that's where God's wrath comes into in play there. 
Um, we've talked about that in the podcast before. But the main thing that I would just want to drive home is that we're his children, and because we know him, because we've believed in him. And by belief, I do mean we've been convinced of him. Right. And, right. Uh, Mark, do you have any final thoughts? Well, you made me think about a book title by, uh, I believe it's uh, Geisler. Mm. I wrote this book. It's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. That's right. Norman Geisler. <laughs> Norman Geisler. That's yeah. right. Yeah. How do you think about that? And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. And you're like, no, it really does. Because, you know, when you dig into it, um, if you if you want to try to convince yourself that God doesn't exist, you have to believe so many things that are even more unbelievable than the fact that there's a supreme being that created you. Right. Right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm already thinking of further podcast ideas here as you, as you speak here. But, uh, well, hey, folks, thanks for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and smash that like button. Again, people aren't going to know about the podcast unless faithful listeners like you let them know about it. So please help us out. If you have any comments, queries, conundrums, or quagmires, or you actually know the definition of a quagmire and want to send that in, then please email us at contact at sanctuarybb.org. We'd love to hear from you, and maybe we'll read your comment or question on air. Join us next week when we will be uh, trying a crisp, a crazy Christmas time beer called You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. And by the way, if you know the reference to that, please let me know. Just kidding, I already know. Uh, but we're also going to be discussing the topic, Does God Condemn Christians? As always, please remember that we are not saved because we're eternally faithful to the Savior. We're saved because the Savior is eternally faithful to us.